Hello and welcome to this episode of Self Made. I'm your host, D. Brown. Today's guest needs no introduction. He's an actor, producer, singer, and he's the star of the hit TV show, Webster. Please help me welcome Emmanuel Lewis to Self Made. Emmanuel. Man, I'm so glad to have you, man. Thank you so much, Dee Brown, CEO. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I know this is going to be a great episode. I want to <laughs> jump. Right, I want to jump right into it because I know you got some some great nuggets you're going to oh, share with us today, man. Love so, it. I want to jump in. You started your career at a very very early age. Yes. Uh, you know, so most people uh, at the age that you started are still, you know, being nurtured by their parents and, yeah. you know, but you were out making it happen for you and your family. Right. Talk to me about your early years and what it was like. Wow. Um, so it was, um, you know, it's happened so fast, right? Like, so we started off at, I started at nine, right? And um, a, a gentleman by the name of Rathel, uh, Rathel Bean, and uh, he was a, a he's, he's an actor and he does a lot of, shows uh, Broadway and you know um, you know uh, daytime soaps stuff like that yeah. and and he's got an awesome career you know and he just came into the hood one day you know <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know I wasn't familiar with seeing you know uh, people from the Caucasus Mountain come in the hood as often <laughs> as he did and uh, yeah he was just jogging we used to have a place called Pratt Institute. And that's when I met him and I just, you know, I just started, wanted to ask him a bunch of questions. I yeah. didn't know who he was and, you know, and he didn't necessarily You're know who I was. just why he was there. I was just really curious why I was there because he's mostly black and Hispanic. And here's this guy who's just probably lived only a two blocks away, but that's like light years, you know, right. when you're living in the projects, right? Yeah. And so I just wanted to ask him questions. What does he do? And, and does he come here often? And it was like, you know, somebody coming into your planet, you know? Right. And he just thought that that was very uh, peculiar and, uh, and started asking me questions. And then when he did that, I was like, well, you know, I'm not supposed to talk to strangers. As long as I was asking all the it was questions, good. we were good, right? So, uh, of course, he thought that that was funny and crazy. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I was like, well, if, you know, if there's any decision, you know, making need to be had, well, you would have to come speak, you know, have to call mom. Yeah. And, uh, and, of course, he did, and he invited me out to this uh, audition that one of his friends was doing, and uh, it was for uh, Campbell's Soup. So I was excited because, you know, who, what kid doesn't like Campbell's Soup, right. right? And so we got there to this audition, and um, they had me something to read, and I had never been to an audition before. I didn't know what, you know, what's the protocol or anything, and he said, read this. And, um, you know, in our school, we did quiet reading. So I got the paper and I just started quietly reading. I, <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know I was supposed to read out loud, you know what I mean? So I started doing some quiet reading. And, uh, and you know, it's you know, it like, well, you know, are you going to read? Yeah, I'm, I'm reading, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm a cocky, you know, kid. And, and he's like, um, uh, can you read? 
And I took offense to this as a kid. I kind of took offense. And I was like, yeah, I can read. But you said this is something about a Campbell Soup commercial. And this looked like something about peanut butter. You know, you're going to fool nothing over a Brooklyn kid now. You know what I mean? Peanut butter and Campbell Soup are worlds apart. Right. And so he was like, well, we just want to see you read out loud. And I, and I did. And, uh, and, uh, and then, you know, they started uh, doing something for the actual um, commercial dialogue for the actual Campbell Soup. And then all of a sudden, people from behind the screen that I didn't even know was really there. Yeah. So I was like, okay, we want that kid. And, uh, and that was it. They wow. finished the audition and selected me to do this. And I didn't have any dialogue in that one, but I did some mm-mm good. <laughs> and, and that was That's just That's all the, it took. Yeah, that was all it took. I did another Campbell Soup commercial, and uh, you know we did a lot: uh, Oshkosh and French's mustard and Cello pudding with yeah. uh, with uh, Bill Cosby, and uh, you know just a lot of different you know stuff for kids and yeah. food and you know uh, what is it the uh, the cereal and clothes and everything and uh, and of course we did Burger King and the Burger King commercial was the one that we we won a Clio award with and it also got us known to the uh, president of ABC and that's when they called us up to to California and invited us to sit down and uh, and talk about maybe uh, developing a show so that's but but there's so much more in that period because um, of time like only about three years, three or four years that we did about 60 commercials. And we also uh, traveled to, to Japan. Wow. A lot. Amazing. Here's my question. So you talked about, you got contacted about developing yeah. a show. Yes. What was that show? The show was Webster. Okay. Absolutely, yeah. So talk to me about that. So, um, you know, it, it was... Um, it was amazing to be in L.A. I had been there once before because we did a Life Series commercial over at the Disney Ranch. And so I had been to California before for that, but I, I didn't know much about, you know, California uh, at all. Um, developing a TV show, you know, I was so... It's so new to that, you know, yeah. like I was I've gotten become very familiar with commercials. Right. And we had just finished doing, you know, really great tours in Japan and singing, performing and having a number one hit single there. So this is like a whole nother chapter of my yeah. life by then. You know what I mean? Right. I've been, you know, very, very well versed in commercials. Now how old are you at this point? Um, when we started Webster, I was uh, 12. OK. Okay, but I had already done Shakespeare in the Park uh, with Midsummer Night Dream. Yeah. Um, like I said, we had done I'd done uh, four commercials in for just Japan alone. Did a TV movie in Japan, so we had done a lot of work over there, right? And so to come start Webster, it's like a whole new world. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, being on the set none of the other ones was really on a set. It was, you know, at location for all yeah. the, really the commercials. Yeah. Homes, restaurants, you know, outside, whatever. So this is the first time me being in a Hollywood studio. Okay. This is the very first time of, of uh, you know, not staying in a hotel, but they had to lease an apartment, you know, and, and have the driver or, you know, rent a car. And so that was like... Okay, this is this is different. This feels, you know, kind of, you know, big, you know, but not really 
as a kid, you don't really understand the magnitude of success yeah, and, right. and, um, and money and, and fame and stuff like that. I was extremely popular in Japan. But coming back home, I was just regular Joe Schmo again. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. You know, I had a lot of commotions popping, so that was pretty yeah. cool. But Webster was like, it's definitely a different turning point for what I was doing in America. Yeah. And, um, and then learning lines. You know, we had over 60 pages of lines to, to, to learn because you're not only needed to know what you were doing, but you need to know what came before you right, and what was after right. you. And, and you're young at this time, so it's, it's a 12, lot. You yeah, know what I mean? So I, and I still had a Brooklyn accent, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, it's the New York and just, <laughs> you know, all of that. So I, they, I had a dialogue coach and uh, just helping me to really uh, learn the aspect of doing television. And, you know, we had a four camera shoot and, uh, you know, and, and there's so much history right. where we were and uh, the Gower uh, Studios and, um, you know, the Mary Pickford and stuff like that uh, from the, the origins of, of um, you know, of Hollywood. And we're right there in the middle of it. Yeah. Every time we came out of studio, we see the Hollywood sign. Right, I'm like, right. this is only in movies and TVs. <laughs> it seems so surreal. Yeah. Um, and, and all of that just kind of fed into me taking it very serious and understanding that this is, this is a serious opportunity. And, you know, understanding from all the, the OGs uh, of Hollywood that would come and, and, and communicate with us from um, Donahue, we did that talk show, and then yeah. we, we did Johnny Carson, and then we just was meeting all these different people that, you know, kind of helped us to really hone in on, you know, what we're doing and, and how big it was. Yeah. And, you know, we're on ABC. We're on a network show. So that's that's big potatoes. Absolutely. But here's the interesting part about that. You're doing all of this, started at a young age. Yeah. But you were still able to go to school and ultimately went to college, yes. Park Atlanta. How did you navigate that process? You know, we had a school on set. Um, so we, I, we first started off having school with the other kids that would come on the show. And then um, my mom decided, you know, he needs his own tutor because, you know, he's coming in. Um, you know, the other kids probably could stay a little longer because they didn't have as many scenes. Mm -hmm. But for me to be able to go to school, crack down on the books, making sure that I got education exactly where I needed it to be um, and mom was like you know what he needs his own tutor and he needs his own space to be able to do that and so that really helped a great deal and you don't even realize that until you you have that and you yeah. realize that so mom was a huge component on education and making sure the focus was there um, but the focus was definitely there for for the acting uh, and that because it was you know Coming from Brooklyn, coming from the projects, coming from all that, you know, you have so much pride in, in going home and, and being in that environment, right? Yeah. But then you learn that there's so much more, you know? Right. And where I'm coming out of was, was poverty. But you know, back in the day, we didn't know that it was poverty. Right. You know, right. we just thought Mama was stingy with the with the with the push. <laughs> Holding back you know on I mean? me, Ma. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> uh, she had money for bills. How come you don't have money for us? stuff? We had no idea that she was budgeting and you know working right. her butt off. So, right. um, but 
we just you understood that this is something beautiful and and um and and you just understood the seriousness of of it all and i i I would never. I was. I was never thinking about popularity. I was never thinking about being popular at all. I was never thinking about the money. Um, you know, we had great people to take care of that, right? Yeah. Uh, for me, it was. I didn't want to disappoint. You know, my family. Yeah. That that to me was everything. You know what I mean? I didn't want to misstep. You know, let's keep it one hundred, Brian. You know, we mess up one time. We don't get too many opportunities right. to come back. Right. So right. that was very understood in my head about, you know, what's going on. And, you know, if something happens, you know. But the amazing thing about it is you understood it at such an early age. And I don't even understand how I understood it that way. But I did. Yeah, because there are some people my age that don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so that's amazing. Right. Just yeah. to hear you talk about it. And, you know, of course, you're talking today. Right. Uh, from your, your current perspective. But right. when you really put it in perspective, you know, you were a child. I was and a so kid. To hear, and to hear you really yeah. talk about how you grasped the seriousness of the moment and, and, and understood the opportunity that was before you and you didn't want to squander it and have people my age I give opportunities to and they just, they don't care. You know, no, just, my, yeah. my mom quit a government job to allow me to follow my career. And I don't know, it, it's from, from then to even now. Every year I'm more amazed at that decision. Right, right. Because there was no certainty whatsoever that that was going to be the best decision. But she just like, you know what, I believe in my son and I can see how serious maybe he takes it. I, don't, I'm, I yeah. always think about what was going on in her mind to do that. But I respected it and I was like, I wouldn't... Mom, I'm not going to let you down. I'm not going to, you know, we're yeah. not going back the way we were before. And not that it was horrible, but, you know, we're living. I know one thing. We were living better now <laughs> right, than we were right, then, right? Right. You knew you something, know, something had happened. Christmas was <laughs> looking real good, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, and birthdays and holidays and, you know, travels. So you just, so doing the show was great. And we got a chance to do Ben Vereen, I mean, come on, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and working with all the great people in Hollywood and, right. and meeting all the people from all the shows. When you do, when you do a network, you meet all the sh people from all the other shows. Right, right. That was crazy. I mean, here I am on this set. Behind me uh, is, you know, uh, the, the happy days over there. Yeah. And Johnny Love shot you over there. And Cheers is over here. Right. Solid Gold was over there. And then uh, Arsenio Hall was over there. Right. So I'm like, uh, um, uh, Eddie Murphy was down that way. And Pee Wee Herman was over there. Star Trek was on the other side of the lot. So there was so much history that was around us. Leaving that in a bad way was was never that was never going to happen on my watch. I knew to be smart wow. enough to okay when we get here it's it's business. Wow. So I'm, I want to pivot for a second and ask a, a very serious question. When did you become a party animal? <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. You know, tell me about this this Tom Joyner celebrity cruise stuff I, I hear about. You know. They didn't have TMZ back then, so it never it never made it. Okay, up. so 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 check this out. Every year we would have the rap party, as you're very well familiar with. And that rap party was lit. <laughs> right? And I'm like, we would like, we would 
oh my God, we just started <laughs> dancing and vibing. It was just so awesome, right? And then, you know, we started getting more invitations to go here and we're crashing parties. And I remember I was with Bill Bright, a head security of, of MJ, right? And uh, he says, come on, uh, uh, we're going to, come on, Joker, you know, old school, right? So, <laughs> come on, Joker, we're going to crash this party. I didn't know what party he was talking about crashing. We were in New York. We crashed Aretha Franklin's uh, party. She had just finished singing Carnegie Hall's, you know, sold out for I don't, know, I don't know how many nights straight. And he's like, we're going to go crash a party. I'm like, okay, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, we just had so many unique situations yeah. that we could get the party started off with, you know? And, uh and yeah, and and then you know to party with a purpose. I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> nothing to, like a party with a purpose. There's nothing like a party <laughs> with a purpose. That's Tom Joyner all day. Uh, and of course, you know he's doing wonderful things to give money to HBCU, which is at my heart and it's at your heart. Right, right. And but we had some lituations in 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 that doggone ship. I mean. Uh, that, Those are the best times. You, you mentioned uh, MJ. So talk to me about the, uh, how did you meet Michael Jackson? We also had some good parties with MJ. Like we went to different clubs and uh, of course, you no, know, everybody wants to see him dance, right? right. And enjoy. Uh, but, you know, uh, th those were, those are all great moments, you know, yeah. of, of literally being around and in, 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 in the midst of meeting his whole entire family and uh, I remember meeting his brothers in New York at mm -hmm. the, uh, what was that hotel that we met right there near uh, Central Park, uh, Tavern on the Green. Uh -huh. And that's where we got a chance to meet um, uh, his brothers along with Don King. Really? And uh, as well as Sophia Stewart, uh, who was the uh, creator of the, the Matrix. Yeah. Uh, so... You know, uh, so many great moments. Being on t on tour with him, you know. Uh, not, you, not, I wasn't performing. What do you remember just, about the first time you met Janet? Oh my God! So the first time I met Janet was was hilarious. Uh, so he was he was like, you know, come to my house. Uh, I want you to meet my mom, you know, and my family. And uh, so me and my brother Chris was coming to the house to go, you know, check out you know, the, uh, his crib, because we always heard that he had some zoo animals and, you know, and I was really afraid of the snake. Uh, and and believe it or not, that song uh, that Diana Ross sings, I Want Muscles, yeah. she was really talking about the snake. The snake name was Muscles. Oh, really? Right. I so, <laughs> so I was not really looking forward to seeing Muscles, okay? <laughs> uh, or the monkey. Uh, but... Uh, you know, we, we didn't play with animals like that where I was from. Um, but so, yeah, so I go into the kitchen and uh, they had some really good music on in the house, right? Yeah. And I'm just, I'm like, okay. So I'm stopping so I can drop a little bit, you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the dance. And, I'm, and then I, and all of a sudden, in the distance, coming for me was, toward me was, was Janet. And she's dancing too. I guess she already saw that I was, you know, getting ready to, yeah. you know, put some time in on that floor, right? <laughs> and uh, she started dancing and she started doing what I was doing. She's like, oh, yeah, see, you can do the snake? I said, yeah, I can do the snake. She's like, can you take it to the back? I'm like, yeah, I can take it to the back. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so we just danced and then we hugged and yeah, that's how I met Janet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> in the kitchen, you know? But now I, I heard a story 
that you had a shortcut you would take <laughs> <laughs> on the cruise ships <laughs> to make sure you was the first one at the party. <laughs> yeah, you had to be smart <laughs> on those cruise ships because um, the main doors are closed until the, you know, until, you know, the, the f performance starts. But, you know, that line is like literally down the ship. I mean, everybody wants to see, you know, all the main artists uh, that they had on the show. I mean, you know, we had uh, Gerald LaVert, you know, we've had everybody that somebody was on the doggo ship. Uh, and I was like, you know, I can't compete with that line. But uh, good thing I'm a... HBCU grads. <laughs> <laughs> That's where your innovation kick in. That's where the innovation <laughs> kicks in, right? So I started using the service entrance on the ship to get from one side to the other. And then I would literally go all the way to the other side, coming through the backstage, and then I could take find whatever seat I wanted anywhere on the ship. And I'm just chilling, cooling the game, you know, <laughs> bars already open and and yeah, I'm, I'm able to chill out. So by the time they open the door, I've already, you know, located. I never wanted to be in the first two rows, but I just wanted to be on the, on the wing. You know what right, I mean? Those right. are the, some of the best seats to me. Now, you mentioned Clark Atlanta. Yes. Talk to me how you were able to manage career and college because you were able to go back and graduate uh, with a degree. Yes. In theater arts, right? Yes. So I, we've literally finished... Webster, the same year I went to college, my first semester. And that was very unique for me because I had never stopped working to go to school, ever. They were always head in hand. But now my work is in seven states over, and I'm here in Atlanta going to school. And, I, you know, I'd done a lot of specials and, you know, different projects, live performances and stuff everywhere. Um, so, you know, I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to do this because, you know, I'm, I've been the breadwinner for my family, you know, for a very long time. To, to stop is, you know, could be detrimental, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, we got, you know, stuff in the bank, but, you know, we don't ever, we was never, you know, putting any, putting that much pressure on that, you know what I mean? It's all about getting the, the, the next money, you know right, what I mean? The new right. money, you know what I mean? This year's money. Right, right. Um, so, um, so I decided that, okay, the only way that it made sense for me was to go to school the fall semester and then um, work the, the, the spring semester because that's when, you know, a lot of the... Um, pilots and stuff was being created and, you know, stuff like that was going on right. and um, also, you know, sweeps and, you know, different stuff like that. So it just made sense that if I'm going to work, I can work this other part of the year and then I can take off this other part of the year. Right. And so I did that for a few years and then I'm like, man, I'm never going to graduate at this rate. So then I was like, you know what, I'm just going to have to buckle down. There's enough right now for me to chill and, you know, be able to do what I'm doing, putting myself to school. I put my brother through school, um, my sister through school. So I'm like, okay, we're good. Let me go ahead on and knock this out. So I started taking 21 hours, 22 hours, you know, both semesters yeah. to really to finish up in, uh, in my, like my last piece of the junior year, last three semesters, the second junior year and my full senior year. And we had to get out of there and... yeah. 
but complete since, that task. But since that time, you've become an advocate for HBCUs. Yes. Uh, just briefly tell me about uh, that and why you're so passionate about HBCUs. You know, it's something about an HBCU education that is part of the experience. It's part of the American experience. And I know it's a black college and, 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 and universities that are very unique in, in our social structure, but that's Americana, it's just as much Americana as apple pie. <laughs> because we had no place else to go before those schools were there. And there's no reason for them to go because now we have options. Because uh, having teachers to understand us and having an environment that know how to communicate and, and uh, allow us to be able to you know, find out who we are. A lot of kids that go to school now, they still don't know who they are yet. Right. You know what I mean? They, they don't know where their passion lies. They don't even know how to find that. So you kind of need somebody that's on your same vibration. Right. You know, right. the same energy, the same, you know, background to help us to, to, to make those decisions. And, and it really makes a difference when, when I know that you know, you know, what the deal is right. and, and how... <laughs> how we can better help each other. Right, And, right. you know, it's family. You know, those, those, these are parents. These right. are aunties and uncles, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and I'll say this, everything you described is 100% accurate because, you know, I attended an HBCU for yes. a year and, and I had the same experience. Emmanuel, uh, it's been great, man. It's been great having you on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, to my viewers, thank you for watching this episode of Self Made. And remember, without you, there's no me.